It has been five years that cannabis has been legal in Canada, and uh, we're going to talk about what we know and what we don't know about it. This is Chelsea on Chad. Welcome back to the show. 2.36. If you want to weigh in on this one, of course, you can send a text in 780-496-0063. After five years of it being legal in our country, um, there are some interesting numbers in terms of hospitalizations and uh, some a lack of data telling us really just how it affects our health. Health. So let's get into the details of what we do know with our guest, who's a professor at the School at Shoe of School of Medicine and Dentistry, Dr. Stephen Laviolette. Dr. Laviolette, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my problem. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on to talk about this. Um, it's interesting that it's been five years. I want to talk a little bit about what research we're able to do in this area and what some of the limitations have been to try to just really determine how healthy or unhealthy cannabis is. So uh, let's start there. Are we really able to realistically and reasonably look into this or not? I think we are. There's, um, I mean, there, there's a lot of hurdles that you have to go through to conduct research into cannabis, whether you're doing basic research or clinical research. Um, you know, interestingly, I, I think that with legalization, in certain cases, the research became more difficult because there was a move towards an, uh, a new process for regulating how research was done mm. on cannabis and different compounds in cannabis. Um, I think a lot of those problems have been resolved now. So, um, for example, you know, researchers such as myself can get sort of a general license to conduct research, which actually, in, in the, in the, at the end of the day, makes it a bit easier to conduct this research. But, but as you said, I mean, we're really on the ground floor of trying to understand exactly what, you know, cannabis is doing to the brain um, and, you know, some, some of the issues that have arisen over the past five years, like the impacts on the developing brain, the risk of psychosis, the risk of other um, mental health-related effects are... We're really just starting to get a grasp of that now, I think. So your areas of expertise are the impacts of cannabis on the brain, uh, cannabis use during pregnancy, um, and cannabis and development. I'm, I'm going to assume that cannabis use during pregnancy is something that's really hard to research. Um, let's start there, though. Uh, what do we know about people using it while pregnant, the impacts on them, the impacts on their, their fetus? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so what we we are seeing a large increase in the number of um, pregnant women using cannabis, um, and that's largely because there's there's you know cannabis is known to treat nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, of course, effective in reducing anxiety, and these are of course problems that people experience during pregnancy. And there's sort of a bit of a widespread misconception that because cannabis is a natural product, that it's somehow safer than more traditional pharmaceuticals um and you know you're right it is difficult to do this research from a from a clinical point of view because oftentimes um when we're dealing with human populations there's multiple drugs at play as opposed to just being cannabis um we we get around that in in our research program by using a lot of preclinical models so we use a lot of rodent models where we can basically mimic um, we can control the amount of thc which is the, the psychoactive compound of cannabis and we can give that to pregnant rats and look at the impact on the developing brain and of course the the, the human brain and the rat brain 
uh, obviously are very different, but at the same time, they're very similar in a lot of the, you know, the neurochemistry and the, the anatomical impacts of cannabis and even some of the behavioral, uh, long-term behavioral impacts of cannabis. And we recently published a paper showing that maternal cannabis exposure can um, dr- drastically impact fat, certain fatty acid pathways in the brain. And fatty acids are really important for the development of neurons and how neurons communicate with each other. And what we found was that there's these long-term impacts on, you know, the ability to regulate your emotions, the ability to, you know, engage in normal cognition, like learning and memory, uh, which really lasted well into, you know, even young adulthood. So it was really quite concerning impacts uh, following prenatal cannabis exposure. And I think that the human research is starting to catch up because, you know, we are able to isolate uh, clinical populations that, you know, were primarily exposed to cannabis during pregnancy. And there are some disturbing trends that are that are showing up there as well. So, yeah, yeah, I think think it's interesting because I think that, you know, even the idea that is being used during pregnancy really speaks to the fact that it's been normalized and destigmatized a lot. And whether you want to look at that like it's yeah. a good thing or not, I think it's kind of um, alarming that people are tending to use this in, in a situation like that when you're expecting to to have a baby. Um, curious to hear what our listeners think about this. Of course, you know, you're welcome to text in 780-496-0063. Um, you also study the impacts of cannabis use on the brain. So we're just talking about normal adults um, not expecting, not pregnant mothers or anything like that, but people that are using cannabis and the way that it impacts their brain. So can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, we've been looking at that. That was sort of where we sort of started our research program, looking at just how cannabinoids modulate different brain pathways that are important for normal mental health, like emotional memory, that sort of thing. And we, we basically showed that, you know, when you activate the receptors in the brain that, that, that interact with cannabis, you can really strongly control, you know, emotional processing, the ability to uh, interpret the emotional significance of events around you, which is what we also hear from clinical, you know, people that use cannabis. Obviously, it distorts your perception of your environment. And, you know, that's associated with, of course, the, the, the psychoactive effects of cannabis, which is a lot of people they experience rewarding effects and relaxation but there's there's some people that also have negative effects so they incre- like increase paranoia um you know me- learning and memory problems with long-term use and and then of course cannabis use disorder where you become dependent you know psychologically and physi- physiologically dependent on cannabis without otherwise you start going through withdrawal symptoms similar to like nicotine for example so there's 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 a lot of things to sort of unpack with that, um, but interestingly, you know we've we've largely been able to identify the specific brain areas that are going to be most impacted by cannabinoid exposure, okay. and so I think the research is progressing. There's there's still a lot more to go, but you know we've been able to identify specific downstream you know genetic markers and and protein markers that are that are modulated by cannabis exposure and which can lead to some of the symptoms that are linked to psychosis for example or paranoia or learning and memory problems over time so i think that 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 research is progressing quite nicely how you mentioned dependence how common is dependence on cannabis because i think there is still sort of this this idea that permeates that you're going to become addicted to it or you're just going to you're going to want it all the time so can you can you expand on that 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly less common than alcoholism or or to even tobacco dependence. So it's it's a subset of, of individuals that that with heavy heavy usage um, may develop uh, a cannabis use disorder. I mean, I think I think there's some controversy over. The percentage of people that I mean, you can't really give it an exact number because a lot of it depends on the populations you're examining, um, the age range of people that are exposed to it. I mean, we know that with younger exposure, uh, you're more likely to develop a, a sort of a lifelong dependence on, on any psychoactive compound. Um, whereas if you start when you're an adult, and those brain pathways have already, uh, you know, matured, uh, it's less, less likely to be a, a factor to, to be concerned about. You know, I'm looking at the text line as we're having this conversation. Um, obviously, our listeners are, are responding to this conversation, and I think there's this, uh, what I'm seeing is a trend of a lot of people really comparing cannabis and alcohol, and someone saying, I'll take my chances, considering the risks of other legal substances like alcohol, I like my odds. Is it a fair comparison to make? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly alcohol, uh, there's no there's no question that tobacco and alcohol are, are far more lethal in terms of their their health impacts over time. And these are both perfectly legal substances. There's no question about that whatsoever. Um, the concern with cannabis mostly comes from developmental exposure. Um, so, I mean, we've done studies where we've actually compared adulthood exposure versus adolescent exposure, and we, we were pretty... Uh, pretty much able to show that adulthood exposure uh, really has no long-term deleterious uh, impacts unless of course someone gets you know heavily dependent on and then it can impact your 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 quality of life but but you know for the casual recreational user who is adult um, there's very little risk Um, certainly there's certainly be more risk from you know heavy tobacco use or heavy alcohol use in terms of long-term uh, negative impacts on your health. No no question about that at all. Does the impact of cannabis use on your health, on the, on the brain, for example, um, change whether or not you're smoking or you're consuming it with an edible? Yeah, that's a great question. We're, we're sort of looking at both angles. So we, we've recently started using edible models. And the interesting thing about edibles is that because it's it's being digested through your you know your GI tract, it's a delayed effect on the brain. So you, you know you hear anecdotal stories of people people will pop a couple of edibles, you know, a couple of chocolate THC edibles, and you know, because they're not they're not sort of getting that immediate effect that they would if they were smoking it. Um, they take too many, and then a couple hours later they have a really bad trip because all of this THC is suddenly you know reaching the brain at a, sort of a delayed. Uh, a delayed metabolic rate. So, so that's one of the the, the major takeaways of that. We we've also been looking at um, um, edible exposure during developmental periods, and we do see similar effects. So, regardless of whether you're you're taking through an edible or um, like you know, obviously in, in a lot of the animal models, we have to use. Um, intravenous injection we're now starting to look at vaping models in in the animal models as well to sort of more closely resemble how humans typically will take it and um the i guess the take-home message is that the the same risks are going to apply regardless of how you take it Mm. um so so that's another uh important new direction for a lot of the basic research We're, we're really trying to adopt more 
clinically relevant models of intake as opposed to many years ago a lot of a lot of labs were just using it you know intravenous injections and of course no one no one takes cannabis intravenously right. um, it's either smoked or theoretical formats yeah Dr. Lavulat thank you so much for making the time this afternoon I really appreciate it Oh, my pleasure. No problem. Of course. Take care. That's Dr. Stephen Laviolette. He's a professor at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry. Um, and as he mentioned, his areas of expertise impacts of cannabis use on the brain, cannabis use during pregnancy, cannabis and development. So it's been legal in Canada for five years. Um, still a lot of questions and some more research that needs to be done uh, about its overall effects on our health. More than a quarter of Canadian adults say that they use cannabis. That's 27%. In 2017, um, that was 22%. So it's got a 5% in five years. Two-thirds of those people that are using it are getting it from a legal source. And this is all information that came from a paper that was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal um, yesterday, by the way. So 27% of Canadians uh, saying that they are using cannabis. What do you think about that? Five years after it being legal, it going up 5%.